Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. We'll, we'll, we'll get Miguel on. I, I, I do have other questions for him, so we'll get him so on. So do I. I. I don't know. I don't know if we could hear him better than the people in the chat. Maybe it was tough to tell, but uh, thanks to everybody for sticking through that. We'll get him. We'll get him back on soon. I mean, I had questions like, I mean, you look at Jonu Smith, and again, I'm I'm using spot rack, so I, I didn't know that that was... Okay, a, yeah, you're I, not supposed to do that. He got real yeah. mad at me last year about that. Use over the cap. And it's tough, because spot okay. track looks pretty. But right. he's right. If you go in and look, the numbers aren't... The numbers don't line up right. Like, they have guys, for instance, they have... um, They have Michael Polardi with, like, two more years on his contract that don't exist. Yeah. Like, I don't crazy. know where those are coming from, so... Yeah, so I mean, I'm looking at guys though, like um, like Jonu Smith looks to have a huge cap hit. I don't know what the difference, and I don't know what the difference is when you cut him or keep him versus you know where that where the hit versus it doesn't. So we got to have Miguel on this thing to you know set that all up yeah. for us once for all. But uh, what we can do um, quickly is well, actually, let's talk offensive coordinator interviews. We'll go piece by piece yeah. um, because we now have we'll do all five of them. We now have five confirmed offensive coordinator candidates. And it sounds like this is going to be the full list based off I, of what Rappaport said today. Right. That's exactly. Um, so we have Nick Cayley, Keenan McArdle, Sean Washington, Adrian Clem, and Bill O'Brien. So let's start with let's start in-house. I think that's the best way to do it, with which is Nick Cayley. Um, yeah. Patriots tight ends coach. A lot of people thought he should have been the nominee candidate, if you will, last season, um, him and Bill O'Brien. But – Kaylee has done a he's been around here for quite some time now. He's done a pretty good job with the tight ends, despite what you want to say about Hunter Henry and um John U. Smith. And it's also a position where you're not just really coaching the tight ends. Like you are, but you're involved with blocking, you're involved with, you know, route running, and you're involved with I mean, you're really involved with those two things. You're so involved it's, it's, in the passing game and the running game. Exactly. So it's like you, you kind of have to know what's going on if you're a tight ends coach. So Again, he ju- he also interviewed with the Jets this week for their offensive coordinator job. So I wonder what's going to happen there. And I wonder if it's just a year too late with Kaylee because it, it was something that frankly just should have happened last year. And it's kind of a bummer that this interview happened now instead of a year ago. Yeah, I'm going to be pissed if they hire him. Like right. straight up. Where was this? Le- what did he learn in the last year? What changed in the last year other than Matt Patricia is no longer being paid by the Detroit Lions? Right. I, you know, good luck to him. I'm not saying I think he's a bad coach, but it's a it's a bad look if they hire him. It's oddly enough a worse look if they hire him and it doesn't work or and it does work. Sorry, if they hire him and it works, there is going to be this massive narrative and rightfully so 
about why he wasn't hired over Matt Patricia last year. They they can't do that. They can't afford to do that. Right. As good of a candidate as he may be, I, I think he's a fine candidate. I don't know if he's the best candidate. I have him fourth of the five in terms of the order I take them. But, you know, maybe they're trying to get him to stay. Maybe they bump up his title run game coordinator, something like that, yeah. under under the next OC. But, like, you, you, you convince him to stay and you pull the trigger for him to not go to Vegas with McDaniels, who wanted him. You don't Didn't extend they block his contract. It? Did they, they block him it. going out there? They, yeah. They blocked him. They didn't extend his contract. Then, then they don't make him the OC. Like, they can't afford PR-wise to do it. It would right. be, it would look, and rightfully so, terrible, however yeah. good of a candidate he is. So I'm out on that one. I, I just, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it should happen. I'd love to see him stay and continue coaching tight ends, but it just, the way everything went last year, you can't do it. So he's he's in, he interviewed with the Jets as well. So uh, first of all, I wonder why. And I think and, there was a report that that some other teams were interested. I don't know if he got any other interviews, but I remember hearing like the Broncos were interested. So Mike Lafleur yeah. gets you know they part ways with him there. I don't know if it was technically a firing or if they kind of both wanted to go their separate ways, but. I would think Mike LaFleur is a much better offensive coordinator candidate to have in your building than Nick Haley. And I know that yeah. there was a lot of stuff that came out and drama behind the scenes with Zach Wilson and all that, but you need a fall guy. They they just he yeah. was the fall guy for the, making the wrong pick in a class that had Justin Fields and Mac Jones. They they took the wrong guy. They took the guy. I don't I shouldn't say everybody. I uh, people should have known was the wrong guy. Again, I had him sixth in that class. I had him behind Trask. And they took him second overall. <laughs> Yeah. Wrong wrong place, wrong time for LaFleur. So that's your fault. So so if if Nick Cayley goes to the Jets and succeeds, is that a worse look than him staying here and succeeding? No. Uh yeah. Okay. But that's a good question. Yeah. You could say he has more offensive talent to work with in New York. Yeah, I agree. And I think that at the time you can just say, look, we didn't think he was ready. He stayed right. another year. He went to the Jets, and he did well. And if you hire Bill O'Brien and things work here, then all's well. Right. Um, so I still think if it's it, it's a it's fine if he goes elsewhere and succeeds. If he if he comes here and does well, and you don't give anyone else a you know a chance, and it's Kaylee, and you could have had this a year before. I guess it's a good thing, but it's still a bad look that you didn't just do this it's, thing. I and mean, you just it, wasted a full year of everyone's time. Look, we know how this market works. We know how it works in Boston. Other places, they'd just be glad they got the guy. But that's not the standard this team is set. It's not. Right. So it, it Bill's not going to want to deal with those questions because he will get it every single week. Why wasn't Kaylee the guy last year? Right. He He's not going to want to deal with it. Yeah. So. For that reason alone, I don't think Kaylee gets it. Yeah, I think so too. The next uh, candidate that I want to talk about is the is Keenan Keenan McCardle from uh, the Vikings. So, looking him up now, Tampa he was Bay it. Buccaneers legend. Yep, Tampa legend. I know uh, people go to the Jaguars and the Chargers, but the 2002 Buccaneers might be like the most. They're my favorite non-Patriots team of all time. Got two passes for six yards for two touchdowns in that Super Bowl. There you go. So, so I, I got why, to geek out this week on that one. Yep, wide receivers coach in the league since 2010 with the Redskins. 
Um, He then went to Maryland, uh, was the wide receivers coach for two years, came back to the league with the Jags, and he's been with Minnesota since 2001, working under Kevin O'Connell, 2001, 2021, excuse me. Um, Worked under Kevin O'Connell this year, who is one of the coach of the year candidates in the NFL, and coached the best wide receiver in football in Justin Jefferson. So, I mean, again, you you wonder how much he can really soak up from O'Connell in one season, but he's been around the block, um, played for... Belichick in Cleveland when he was a Cleveland Brown receiver as well. So there's a connection there. Um, He interviewed today alongside Bill, not alongside, but in the same day as Bill O'Brien. So um, knocked him out too. I think it's a, it would be a, not a terrible decision. I think I like what obviously, you know, you wonder about being a wide receivers coach and how much you give Justin Jefferson versus Justin Jefferson is just Justin, Justin Jefferson. But a guy who at least deserved deserved an interview, in my opinion. I think it's it's a it's a quality, you know, thing to do for them. Yeah. Well, so McCardell also, when he was at Maryland, worked with Stephon Diggs. Diggs last okay. year before he before he went to the draft. So he has a track record here. He right. does. I, I I'm just gonna kind of I know we're trying to go one at a time, but I, yeah. I, I just to blow it up to the big take here. Do it. I like that they are targeting experienced successful wide receivers, coaches, guys who played in the league. McCardell had a long, successful NFL career. He coached Stephon Diggs. He coached Justin Jefferson. There's been other receivers like KJ Osgood, for instance, has been like, they've developed him. Right. 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 Into a car, into a real NFL receiver. Um, Sean Jefferson is another one. I'm sure who you were going to next there played in the league has a tremendous resume as a wide receivers coach, he was Calvin Johnson's wide receivers coach in Detroit for the first five years that Megatron was there. Calvin Johnson in an interview in 2019 called him the best wide receivers coach in the league. Not the best he's had the best in the league period. Now that doesn't guarantee that those guys, you know, Calvin Johnson's tremendously talented. He did come from a triple option offense in college. I think he probably needs some instruction. Justin Jefferson, tremendously talented, but these guys have been there. They've been around scouting and developing successful wide receivers. Cause when you're a wide receivers coach, you kind of work with the scouts on who you like. Right. So Sean Jefferson was in those meetings when they're trying to figure out if Calvin Johnson's the guy they want to take second overall. Right. right. And Keenan McCardell's in these meetings when they're discussing Justin Jefferson. We, we've talked about this a ton, Mike, that they can't develop wide receivers. They can't do it. Neither one of us trusts them going into the draft to get that guy. Right. What this tells me, the fact that they have five interviews, two of them are these blue-chip wide receiver coaches. They know they'll change the way they operate when it comes to wide receivers, when it comes to young wide receivers. Now, that all being said, I don't know that it's enough reason to hire a guy. You still have a young quarterback you've got to develop. You're right. still dealing with that whole inexperience element. Bill O'Brien's still the best candidate. He's got experience 100%. working with quarterbacks. He's got experience working with Mac Jones specifically. He can command some autonomy having been an NFL head coach. He's familiar with the system, all of it. But, but they're not bringing these guys in for offensive coordinator or bust. That's not how this stuff works. These are guys they're trying to get in the building. Yep. I, I I I wrote out the list earlier of just who they'd interviewed. Bill O'Brien, Keenan McCardell, Sean Jefferson, Adrian Clem, Nick Cayley. 
That's a staff. That's a coaching staff. Bill O'Brien's your, your OC and quarterbacks coach. You're probably not going to get McCardell and Jefferson, but you bring one of those guys in as the wide receivers coach and you throw the passing game coordinator tag on to get them to, to leave their current job, right? Adrian Clem is an offensive line coach. Maybe he's your run game coordinator. Nick Cayley for tight ends. You got to go find an assistant QB coach, right? And honestly, the one guy we haven't talked about at all because he's been good is Vinny Sanceri, the running backs coach. I mean, yeah. Look at Ramondre, what he's turned into, so he can stay. But And they talk him up, too, in that room. Those guys yeah. love him. So it's not necessarily that I love McCardell or Jefferson as an offensive coordinator. I think that there are there is upside to that, but I think O'Brien is the safe hire, and they need to go with the safe hire right now. But they're getting those guys in the building. You're going to tell me one of those guys, boom, that's your that's that's the guy Bill O'Brien's bringing with him to coach the wide receivers, right? Hell yeah! How much have I said this, Mike? You're probably sick of hearing me say it. Once <laughs> no, they uh, hire never... the offensive coordinator, the job's not done. They've got to build the staff beyond them. The staff is not good enough. They lost Dante Scarnecchia, Ivan Fears, Josh McDaniels, all these positional coaches who'd been there for 20 years, and they didn't really have the next guy up. Somebody in the chat, Doug Marone, yes, could be yep. another part of that. You know, I wonder if he takes maybe a senior assistant role like Brett Bielma had in 2019, and then yep. you make Adrian Clem your, your actual offensive line coach. But, like, I, I'm so encouraged that they're talking to McCardell and Jefferson and guys like that. Not because I think they should be the offensive coordinator outright, but those are guys who have been there, have been in the room, have been what like with the scouts, with the coaches to develop these wide receivers who know how it's done. Mike, every time we talk about the, the Steelers it, yep. and I bring up, you know, we did this with George Pickens. Well, well, all right. Well, you don't want them to draft George Pickens because they can't develop receivers and the Steelers can. So why don't we go get a guy from the Steelers who can do it? Like I get that question all the time. Why don't they just go get a guy from the Steelers? Why don't they hire one of the Steelers wide receivers coaches? It's not the Steelers, but it is two guys that have a strong history with wide receivers. And this, this is basically what that is. They are go. They can't do it. They've realized they can't do it. They're going to get somebody who can. That's great. Right. We should all be excited about that. I'm sorry. I blew I, up your whole thing of going through guy by guy. but No, it's fine. Let's the, blow the it up. The whole thing sort of interconnects. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season. Everything from NFL playoffs to pro and college basketball, UFC, MMA, and more. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. With live betting options, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. Bet Online is truly the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite leagues and events. Head to the website today or or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% off welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code CLNS50 to receive your rewards. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. And Talk even, about the whole thing. I'm with even you. with Adrian Clem, obviously not a wide receivers guy, the interesting angle to me with Clem, aside from the fact that first-round picks got to be a tackle, got to be. Yep. So yep. get somebody in to actually coach him instead of like 2019 – when they just sort of brushed Nick Casario into the wide receivers coach role after naming or after drafting a wide receiver in the first round, Nikhil Harry. The other thing that interests me about Clem, and this is sort of getting into the abstract here. Some people might call it Homerish. I think it's a fair take. And this is a college football take, Mike. When Bo Nix left Auburn at the end of 2021, he was oh, cooked. Yeah. Like yeah, he fucked. seemed irredeemable. Yep. Goes to Oregon, gets himself in the Heisman 
uh, conversation. Now, Adrian Clem, offensive line coach, run game coordinator, isn't the one coaching Bo Nix, obviously. But he was just in a room where they reinvigorated a young quarterback. Right. Might have picked up a thing or two the Patriots can use. Yeah, Not saying it's the all end all, but again, it's that thing where, no, Sean Jefferson doesn't get 100% of the credit for Calvin Johnson becoming Calvin Johnson. No, Keenan McCardell doesn't get 100% of the credit for Justin Jefferson being Justin Jefferson. But they both get some, and they were in the room with other people who get some of that credit and saw what those people did. Guys like that can be valuable assets, and it's good to see them them going after them. I'm with you. Before I give my take on this, I do yep. want to talk about our friends at LinkedIn, Alex. Uh, these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have the access to the best qualified candidates available, and that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. We use LinkedIn Jobs here at CLNS Media, and we can't recommend it enough. It's super easy to post your job, then add your listing and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience, so you can quick le- quickly prioritize who you'd like to talk to and hire. We're now into January, and it's the perfect time to add the right team member to start 2023 strong. It's why small business businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash beat. That's linkedin.com slash beat to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. I think all these guys found this job, this OC job on linkedin.com slash beat. It's the best. The Patriots use us. It's the best way The best way to post your jobs. Linkedin.com slash beat. Go check it out. Yeah. A few things on each candidate, really. And you know, yeah. I, I, I'm kind of glad that we bunched them out now because I look at two things with the wide receivers, specifically, I guess, um, in Sean Jefferson is yeah. he did just work with DeAndre Hopkins, Alex. And yes, they did just, the Cardinals did just hire uh, Monty Austin Fort. That's his name. Correct. Yeah. Uh, the old, so he used to be in the Patriots building. They just hired him as their general manager. So I know we talked about it last show and I don't necessarily think that just because you know, a guy they're going to, you know, cut you a deal. So I don't expect Monty, you know, to give, give the Patriots DeAndre Hopkins for the low, but there's at least a line of communication there in that front office. And DeAndre Hopkins just worked with Sean Jefferson for two years. So yeah, they have a relationship. Hopkins has a no trade clause, so he has to accept to where he gets traded. So there you go. If he wants to come here, he gets to work with Sean Jefferson again in another offense. That's one thing. The other thing, and I look at both wide receiver coaches on this one. Oh, I'm sorry, not both wide receiver coaches, but two of the candidates is Adrian Clem and Sean Jefferson are both associate head coaches on their respective teams. Yeah. So they're not just looking, and I know you say, and I, I sort of agree with you, that they're tr- they're maybe trying to build a st- staff and bring some of these guys in to not just coach the offense, but coach positions. They're also bringing in guys who are already in leadership roles in their, in their spots before. So we talk about it, we've said it on this show about bringing in a head coach for the offense. Uh, Sean Jefferson and Adrian Clem have sort of been a assistant associate head coach for the last two seasons or the last season on their team. So they're already in those leadership roles. If they were to be hired, they can come in likely can command a room and kind of take the whole thing over at the end of the day, though, it's gotta be Bill O'Brien. It just has to be. He's the best candidate. He interviewed today officially yesterday, 
Rappaport came out and said that he was still out recruiting for Alabama. I thought that was kind of odd. I don't know why that got thrown in there. Um, because then j- today, all of a sudden, he's in Boston interviewing for the job. So, well, maybe he's recruiting here. Hey, you're going to be up there interviewing anyway. We'll go say, no, I maybe. Well, I mean, let's look at the timeline. Tom Curran reports Bill O'Brien's the favorite. Yeah. Then you get these nuggets that maybe Bill O'Brien, like the like, reports that Bill O'Brien's favorite in the building at Gillette. Like they want him. Right. Yep. Then you start hearing some stuff that uh, maybe he's not too interested in them. Then boom, boom, boom. You get three reports of other people they're interviewing. Then you get the report that Bill O'Brien's out recruiting. And then today, Bill O'Brien finally interviews with the Patriots. Yeah. It sounds like maybe one side wants something and the other side, you know, each, they're, each side's just trying to get what they want out of this. Yeah. Deal. And what to me, what that would be, and there was another report from Andrew Callahan yesterday that they're split inside the building yes. about making that trade to get number one wide receiver. I think we all sort of can figure out who's on which side of that argument. I wonder if Bill O'Brien wants certain personnel moves made before he comes here. He cannot afford to come here and fail. I know people in New England can't. It, it's so funny. I was texting somebody from Alabama today. And Nick Saban. You know, yes, me and Nick Saban. Are buddies. <laughs> you know, I was texting somebody from Alabama today. And, you know, they were, oh, so O'Brien finally interviewed. I said, yeah, that seems to be the case. I said, good. Can't wait till he's out of here. And it's so funny to me that the Alabama people cannot wish him away fast yeah, enough. They and can't the people, for the people there. in New England, they can't get him here fast enough because the offense was not what it was supposed to be at Alabama this year. Now, right. some, a lot of that wasn't on him. And, Mike, we are going to bang our heads against the wall explaining this to people over the next couple months and maybe more if Bill O'Brien gets hired. Alabama's wide receivers weren't good this year. No, they weren't. People are going to roll their eyes at that and say, oh, well, Bill O'Brien must have been really bad. No, the whole pipeline going back to like Jerry Judy and and, and even like Julio Jones, right? Uh, Calvin Ridley. Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper is the name I couldn't think of. Thank you. It dried yeah. up. It yeah. dried up. And it dried up fast, though, because they, this year they had last year they had Mechie and Jamison Williams. Well, so and look all at who they, they lost in the draft. Gone. They look they right. lost Mechie. They lost Jamison Williams. Aggie Hall was their third receiver. He transferred to Texas. They were basically left with a bunch of true freshmen or redshirt freshmen who had never played before. And some of them might have been overhyped as recruits, as it turns out. It's funny. If you watch Alabama's offense, it actually sort of looks like the Patriots in the sense that Jameer Gibbs rules. That guy can play the running back. Yeah. They tried throwing the ball down the field early in the year. They didn't have the receivers. Then Bryce Young hurts his shoulder. And by the end of the season, they're running everything through the running back. They're running the running back into the ground. Does that sound familiar to you, Mike? Yeah. Sound like anybody we know. So, you know, and that's not to say that Bill O'Brien's a bad hire. He's the best option they have right now. I think he's a really good candidate for this job. But he can't afford to fail here because that Alabama, a year after Bryce Young won the Heisman, for it to take that kind of step back, that hurt him. If the offense had looked this year like it did in 2021, we're not talking about Bill O'Brien right now because he's probably the head coach at Auburn or Wisconsin or Nebraska or one of these blue-chip college programs. Yeah. But we are talking about him. So he needs this to be a success. And for it to be a success, he needs the right personnel. 
And I don't think he's going to take the job if Bill's not going to give him the right personnel. I'm with you. And that's what I love about Bill O'Brien so much is his his attitude and his demeanor. I, he's a great play caller. He can scheme it up. He understands, you know, RPO packages and basic concepts. And he's he's matured himself as an offensive coordinator from when he was here as an assistant to the OC when Brady was here and uh, after McDaniels left. He transfers. He, he, or he leaves. He takes over Penn State. Goes to then Houston. He runs that whole you know system with Deshaun Watson, and he's he's matured and grown into a really high quality play caller. The way you, you watch them scheme it up wherever he's been, really right. But the thing I love about him most is that demeanor he has. They they nickname the teapot. He's gonna flip out. He's gonna yell at you. He's gonna keep you in line. And I, I, sometimes that doesn't go a long way in the NFL. But it, not that he sits there and you know yells at guys, but He's stern and he knows what he wants. And I think, again, looking at bringing in a head coach of the offense, that's exactly what this team needs. They need someone right. that's going to take the operation and say, this is mine, Bill, get out of the way. And I think Bill O'Brien is the one of the guys that can absolutely do that. I think that him and Bill Belichick have this, you know, this mutual respect and a trust in each other, even though they haven't been together in some time, that I think – if he comes here, he's going to let O'Brien take over the operation. Paws are going to be off. I wonder, though, like you said about, you know, he wants personnel moves to happen first. Do you think this doesn't whether- have to be first? I'm not saying like he's not right. going to sign until they go out and trade for DeAndre Hopkins or Jerry Judy. They can't. Right. They can't do that exactly. trade until March. But just like it's a handshake agreement on it. Right. Some sort of assurance like, hey, we're going to be aggressive in pursuing this. You know, the resources right. needed to do like. Basically, sort of, hey, might cost the first round pick to go get Jerry Judy. Is that going to be on the table? Right. That sort of thing. So you look at, and I was, you know, doing some Bill O'Brien, I guess, research in air quotes. I was watching a mic'd up video of him the other day on on okay. YouTube from the NFL, right? And talking about this fiery guy, but something that I noticed was that, and I don't know when this was in the DeAndre Hopkins timeline, so forget the beef they've had, but you talk about the offenses the Patriots offenses the Patriots have had here. They haven't had that true number one wide receiver. They do they right. scheme stuff up for people every once in well, a while. But go ahead. They had Gronk. Okay, fine. But so let's let's talk the last two seasons under yeah. with Mac Jones. Right? They haven't yeah. had a go to guy. Correct. And so there's not really a effort. Throw this play out the window and just get it to this guy. And so they're always you know there's options on every play and there's no, there's no go-to, but I was watching this mic'd up and the Houston needed a play and he was, he called the offense and he was in his OCs here and he was like, give me something for number 10. Give me anything for 10. We just need to get the ball to 10. He's going to make a play for us. The Patriots haven't had that. And Bill O'Brien trusts that tactic is get the ball in my best player's hands and they're going to make something happen. The Patriots haven't done that over the last two years. They need something like that. And they need a play caller. That's going to call a play like that. Right. Do you think Matt well, Patricia was ever like, let's just get the ball to Jacoby Myers? No, he he never really ran up. He didn't run no, anything in motion. He just called plays off a of play sheet. Well, no, but this is part of the problem. I think Matt Patricia believed he was doing that when right. he when they gave the ball to Ramondre Stevenson thirty times a game. I yeah, okay. I, I agree. Yeah, I, I I don't think it's that they need a play caller that can make that call. They need a player that you can make that call to. Sure, and then you need too. a guy who will design plays that it's not just 
those sorts of plays are generally pretty complicated because they're one read plays. You have to be sure that guy's going to be open enough to get a chance. Right. You need a guy that can design plays. You can't, right. You're not saying that and then just running four verts. Right. Or like a, a, a tunnel screen to the guy. Exactly. Right. There's a very specific play that's been designed that when you say we're going to 10, there's maybe two or three calls you have in the playbook, depending yep. on the coverage that, all right, we, we got to get the ball to 10. We're going with this. Absolutely. You got to have somebody design those like that. To me, it's less about the call. It's more about the design. Patricia, yeah, no, I agree. Like I, Patricia, I think very much had it in him. Hey, Ramondre is our best play caller. Get the ball to Ramondre, but it's fake screen, left screen, right. <laughs> fake screen, exactly. right screen, left, right. It's, it's, it's pump down, throw flat left, pump down, throw flat, right. You know, Let's let like they, this weird variation of Haas with him coming out of the backfield. None of that made sense because they could just put a safety on him and man, there was no uh, uh, complimentary route to put anybody in conflict. Yep. It was just Ramondre, go to the spot. We're going to throw you the ball. That's not how NFL offense. Exactly. Works. Right. So to me, it's, it's less about, I get what you're saying, but it's less about having the guts to make that call and more about, I say this all the time. The decision's only as good as the play call you have, whether it's going for it on fourth, right. whether it's going for it for two, whatever. The decision's only as good as the call you have. And with O'Brien, they couldn't make a good decision, I think in large part because even when they made the right decision, in theory, to go forward or to do a certain thing, they didn't have a call to back up the decision. You mean with Patricia? With Patricia, so what did I say? Okay. O'Brien. Okay. With, with Patricia, yeah. okay. they didn't have the call to bet. Like, there was one play in that Raiders game on a third down Okay, so like, yeah, when they when they ran the naked QB boot against the Raiders on that third down late in that yeah. game, I actually don't hate the call to run there. I really don't. But you can't run that play. Right. So that's, that's what excites me about this new offensive coordinator is when they have that gotta-have-it moment, the play call's actually going to have a chance to work. Yeah. That's more what it's about for me. I'm with you. Um so again, I yeah, I think – I just think – and I said it before and I've said it a million times and I said it as soon as the rumor came out that O'Brien had interest in coming back to the league. It's like it was so obvious that this should have been the way they went even a season ago. Yeah. And now that they're doing it a season too late, it's like just make it happen. And I get you have to, you have to interview everybody and you have to go through it. But if for some reason it doesn't happen – it really is going to infuriate me because it just seems like it's such an obvious decision. For what it's worth, I don't think it was an option last year. Yeah, I, no, I that's, think that's even fair. if they had wanted to hire him, I don't think they could have. And is or, that a the say like, a whole Saban Belichick thing? Uh I think it's a Saban thing. Okay. I don't think it's a Saban Belichick thing. I think it's a Saban thing, and I think it's an O'Brien. He had a two year contract. Mm-hmm. He had one more year. He knew he was going to be in a good spot to be very sick, should have been very successful. His path to being a head coach again at that time, if he wanted to be a head coach again, as soon as possible, the answer was staying at Alabama. The answer was not coming to new England. And I just think there wasn't a ton of incentive for him to take the job here last year. There, unless the Patriots are going to truly bank up the back up the Brinks truck, which in itself would not have made sense. Right. There wasn't a ton of incentive for him to come here. Now now it's different, right? He had a bad year at Alabama. His stock is way down. He's not getting those head coaching looks. His contract's up. They might not have him back, 
if he's right. the guy that gets Mac Jones back on the right track, he's going to, he can go be head coach again. So the situation has changed. I don't think it was realistic that he was coming here last year, whether the Patriots wanted him or not. That's fair. And I, I've always wondered too about him and being this head coach and waiting here. Um, I've kind of had that on my radar ever since he went back to Houston when he left Penn state. It's like it, he he's always sort of had this there's always been this thing it's like Bill O'Brien's going to come back here and be the head coach one day I've heard it I've thought about it now with Mayo it seemingly in line I don't know how likely that will ever be again so I wonder where Belichick or where this team stands on okay we're going to bring this guy in he's going to do well he's going to be gone in two years and then we have to do this whole thing again so it's 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 tough too, but, but that's it, why that's, again that's that was the thinking last year, and this is where we're at. So you can't think like that anymore. But I I think part of it too is yes, O'Brien might be gone a year or two. If you hire a guy like Keenan McCardell or Sean Jefferson as a wide receivers coach, you can have O'Brien kind of getting that guy ready. Yeah, that's true. Because and then you can set. This is what they never they never had that seamless transition, and that's what you can set up. The seamless transition would have been Josh McDaniels to Nick Cayley, and they skipped it. They just chose not to. Right. We've seen them do it on the defensive side of the ball all the time. They had it on the offensive line for a little bit. It went from Scar to to Cole and Carm, and and then yep. Carmen Brasillo on his own, and then there was nobody. There's nobody next. Right. If you hire Bill O'Brien, you bring in a Jefferson or a guy like Sean Jefferson or a guy like Keenan Cardell, you don't necessarily have to worry as much about O'Brien leaving because you do still have that next guy lined up. That's a fair point. So again, it has to be a I, – I feel like you got to make two hires out of this out of this interview cycle. So it would be – that's ideal. Uh, let's talk about Rocket Money, Alex, before we wrap up the show. Do you know how much your subscriptions really cost? You probably don't, as nearly 80% of Americans have subscriptions that they completely forget about. Most of us spend around $80 a month on subscriptions when act, or most of us think we spend $80 a month on subscriptions when act. Oh, now we're losing Mike. We're losing Mike, Hi. or did we lose me? Are you back? Am I back? Yeah. All kinds I don't of know what happened. Today. All right. Maybe you're right. having a problem. Go ahead. That might have been me. Back to Rocket Money. Uh, it could be an unused Amazon Prime account, Hulu, ESPN Plus, whatever it is, they're draining your bank account, and you could be wasting hundreds of dollars a month on subscriptions you don't even know about. Not me, though, because there's an app I use now called Rocket Money. It used to be known as Truebill. The app shows all your subscriptions all in one place and then cancels for you whatever you still don't want. Rocket Money can even find subscriptions you didn't know you were paying for. You may even find out you've been double charged for a subscription. To cancel, all you have to do is press the cancel button, and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Get rid of useless subscriptions with Rocket Money now. Go to rocketmoney.com slash patsbeat. Seriously, it could save you hundreds per year. That's rocketmoney.com slash patsbeat. Cancel your unnecessary subscriptions right now at rocketmoney.com slash patsbeat. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Yeah, we're really blowing this thing today, Alex. Huh? What's going it's, on? It's, yeah. It's tough when you do a live show. Um, 
Okay, lastly, let's let's wrap up the show with the Shrine Bowl rosters. Um, yeah. We'll, we're going to go in-depth on these. So the Patriots are coaching the Shrine Bowl in Vegas um, at the beginning of February. They're coaching yep. the West team, I believe. West team. Although, and I didn't know this. Maybe they changed it this year because I could have sworn it used to be divided East-West by where the kids went to school. But Zay Flowers and, and uh, Jake Bobo, yep. BC and UCLA are on the same team. Yeah. So I guess I guess not. I guess it's just arbitrary, which yeah, so the, works out for the Patriots. We can get into that in a second. Hundred percent. Yeah. So the Patriots are coaching the West team. We're gonna do a full breakdown, pretty much, of their rosters next week on the show. Yeah. We um, only have the offense they, right now. We, they're, we they're only have the offense tomorrow. Right. We only have the offense today. So I just wanted to quickly give out. I have two names that I I think are awesome on offense for this team. I know Alex, yeah. uh, you have a few as well. But I want to yeah. start with. You know, I'm gonna start with Jack Coletto. So. This okay. kid is nicknamed the Jackhammer. He's from Oregon State. He was a beaver. And he's listed as a fullback slash tight end. And this season won the Paul, Paul, Hornung, Paul Hornung Award for the most versatile player in college football. So I don't that just absolutely screams Patriots to me. A guy who can play everywhere. He played linebacker this season as well. I just think that when you have a week to coach these guys and you see what this kid can do all over the field, I think that's a guy that could easily be on the Patriots' radar just because they always bring guys like that in, um, someone who really can just do all. Like, you look at – I mean, I, I don't want to really? say – yeah? No, it's because you, you want a list of, of the Paul Horning Award winners the last couple of years? Absolutely. So Jack Coletto just won it, right? Yep. The year before him, Marcus Jones, Devontae Smith, that? then Lynn, Lynn Bowden. Played okay. for the Patriots this year. Rondell Moore, Saquon Barkley, Jabril Peppers. So that's what, three of the last seven yep. have played for the, or were on the Patriots roster this year. This is yep. like the, um, what is that other award? That kid's playing in this game too. Hang on. Uh, talk. I'll, okay. I'll find it. Yeah, go, go for it. But again, I just think that that's a guy that they're going to have their eyes on because again, versatility is huge. He plays offense and defense, fullback, tight end. They sort of they've looked for they might want the fullback back this season, uh, depending yeah. on what Bill O'Brien wants to run, and they could use some help in the tight end room too. So <clears throat> Jack Coletto, keep an eye on that. You have your thing. The other award, by the way, the Cliff Harris Award goes to the best non D one player in college football each year. Last okay. two guys to win it, Kyle Duggar. They can give it out in twenty twenty. Kyle Duggar, Sam Roberts. What do both those there guys have in common? They both got drafted by the Patriots. So uh the kid who who won it this year, who's uh name is escaping me again is uh he went to I, I can tell you he went to ferris state i can tell you he's a defensive end i can tell you he's 6'5 235 his name is caleb murphy uh he will also be in the shrine bowl so we'll get to him is on matthew judon on that list by any chance they weren't giving this award out when matthew okay. judon, this is a relatively new they've only done it like four or five times oh okay um, got it it's a relatively new list but you can so with the paul horning award the cliff harris award you can sort of track these things Clearly, these are guys the Patriots at least consider. Yep. So. 100%. So that's yep. my guy. The other guy is BC Zay, uh, Zay Flowers, rather. Yeah. He's only 5'10", so I wonder about what the Patriots want to do as far as, you know, a big downfield receiver like a Hopkins who's taller than 5'10", and less of a shifty guy. But Zay Flowers was unbelievable at Boston College over the last few years. Um, I broke down uh, one play from him uh, today on Twitter, if you want to go check it out. And it's, it's a simple breakdown, but it just showed – Two things that I loved about him was his speed off the line, his route, or three things. His speed off the line, he got off quick. His route running, he's able to turn a guy around 
like that. And then the way he tracked the ball from a really bad Phil Dracovic pass was like, you can literally see it. It like skips a beat on the film. Like he, he's running like a diagonal and then all of a sudden he breaks across the field to get under the ball. And then he goes to another gear and it scores six. So I don't know where they're going to be. Zay Flowers is going to jump up these draft boards as, you know, as these bowl games go, as the combine goes. So I don't know if Zay Flowers is going to even make it out of the first round. And to me, I still think that their first round need is cornerback or tackle. But depending on how fast Flowers flies up this board or if he falls back and the Patriots want to go for him early second round, if they want to, you know, jump up or something, I'd keep an eye on Zay Flowers too because they have a connection at BC here. So that those are my two guys, Coletto and Zay Flowers. Yeah, I like Zay Flowers. He's just one of those guys there. If you're going to draft Zay Flowers in the second, you can get Tank Dell in the fourth. Yeah. Similar player, right? Right. Um, I'll just run through a couple that are interesting to me here. Dorian Thompson Robinson, DTR from UCLA. I don't think it's a big offseason for quarterbacks for the Patriots. I, I've been pretty clear on that, but they've targeted guys like this the last couple years. Um, you know, experienced mobile college quarterbacks to Eric King, Jamar, uh, Jamar Smith. He's not supposed to be drafted. So a guy they'll get familiar with, maybe bring him in on the practice squad. He could be a good scout team guy. Running back room. You mentioned uh, uh, Coletto. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. A couple more guys that excite me. Muhammad Ibrahim from Minnesota. Yeah, Minnesota. Third in the nation and third in the nation in rushing yards this year at 1,600. Tied the, the national lead with 20 touchdowns. This is his third thousand yard year. Patriots love early down backs with big time college production. You're not going to get much more production than you're going to get with Ibrahim. He's projected to go middle late on day three. Travis Dye being on this list from USC is very interesting to me. A textbook Patriots third down back, great pass blocker, soft hands, easy receiver, good route runner. Now, the reason his name is interesting to me, in November, it was mid-November, he suffered a season-ending knee injury. We don't know what it is. The reports were that it was season-ending, but it was not expected to impact his football career long-term. So that could be whole number of things. Right. Um, if he's already ready to participate in the Shrine Bowl, that's a great sign. Maybe he's not participating, but sometimes guys who are hurt, they still go to these games just to do the interviews, just to talk to the scouts and get to know them. Textbook third down back. If the Patriots want to hedge their bets on Pierre Strong, he he's a great fit. Wide receivers, you mentioned Zay Flowers, kind of a shiftier slot guy. I'll give you two big outside guys. Well, two big guys. One's an outside guy. Bryce Ford Wheaton. Pure outside receiver, 6'4", from West Virginia. The way that guy goes up and gets the football, it's a treat to watch. It really is. Uh, He's a great 50-50 ball player. Not much to his game besides that, but a guy you can put on the end of your roster as a a red zone threat. Also, great special teams player. Forced two muff punts this year, covering punts. Got a great job. You know, go down, time it up, get to the returner just as the ball gets there. He's projected to be a day three pick. And then Jake Bobo... Yep. is a hybrid tight end wide receiver local kid uh, from around here, goes to UCLA. He transferred from somewhere, I don't remember, uh, but played at UCLA this year, can play in the slot, can play outside, can play in line. 
We know that they're comfortable using guys in that role. You know, I look at what they did with little Jordan Humphrey last year. They want a guy maybe a little more polished, a little more explosive yep. to sit in that role. I think Jake Bobo would be a really good fit at the went tight ends. Went to Duke uh, before you. Thank you. Thank you. Luke Schoonmaker, 6'5", 250, productive season for Michigan. We're going to talk about him as a developmental, uh, developmental, you know, project tight end uh, in day, uh, early on day three, middle of day three. And then a tackle, I'll wrap it up here soon. Jackson Kirkland from Washington was supposed to be a first round pick last year. Hurt his ankle, realized he wasn't going to be able to do the combine and all of that, decided to go back to school. So, has an all-pro, or sorry, not all-pro, he's all-pack 12 in 2021, goes back to school. After, back at left tackle, after the first game, they basically realized that their left guard, who was new, wasn't going to cut it. So they move Kirkland into left guard, and he had an unbelievable year. He allowed nine pressures on like 400-something pass-blocking snaps. So positional versatility. Yep, they love that. T- Team player for a guy to move inside from tackle to guard in a draft eligible year. Yeah, seriously. Uh, now there's going to be some questions of, well, is he actually a guard? That's going to be a question. And we're going to figure that out, you know, next week. Where are they lining him up? Are they lining him up at tackle? Are they lining him up at guard? If he's lining up at guard, I'm not super interested in him. No, I if agree. he's lining up at tackle in this class, he's going to they fall want to see great something. value pick. If they don't want to take a tackle in the first round, getting Kirkland in the second or third. Again, if they view him as a tackle, makes sense. And then Dalton Wagner from Arkansas, another guy that I was supposed to come out last year, had a mid-round grade last year, went back. He actually didn't have a great year. His stock has fallen. So maybe if they want to double up a tackle, he'd be an interesting guy to take a flyer on. I love and it. Every, everybody do- can breathe. Everybody can breathe. Again, that's that was- just a couple. That's just one side of the ball. That's on a handful. One of two rosters that stood out to me. Mike, this is what you're getting yourself into. I love it. We're going to do it all. We're going to do the whole roster next week. Um, next week, we're we're going to do the whole Shrine Bowl roster next week. We're going to also well, so, try and get Mc- – go. Sorry. Let, let me add one more thing. Um, yeah. So I did a short list of players just off the accepted invites that I wanted to see that I was hoping the Patriots would get to work with in this game before the rosters came out. 11 of the 12 guys I listed are on their team. Look at or, that. Sorry, 10 of the 12. So the That's only other – the only ones who aren't, I'll just, because we're doing it right now, Tavion Thomas, running back from Utah, 6'2", 235, downhill runner, bruiser, <laughs> Damian Harris replacement, goal line back. And yep. we were talking about Coletto, right? This guy from Houston named uh, Parrish. Parrish. Um, I want to say Jack Parrish. I don't know why I can't think of it. He's another defensive end fullback, hybrid. Jack Parsons. And he's going to, Parsons, oh. yeah. Is it Parsons? Um, I might be wrong. I don't know. This is killing me. I've been obsessed with this guy. He's like one of my favorite. Uh, yeah, Derek Parrish. What did I say? John Parsons? Derek Parrish. I said that. <laughs> Derek, okay. Derek, Derek Parrish from Houston. Hybrid fullback defensive end. He'll be on the East team as well. But he he's somebody. I thought the Patriots would drool all over. And then they get Coletto. So they, they still got uh, a guy like that. Yeah. I love that. As soon as I saw that he won the, the versatility award, I was like, this guy, this guy screams Patriots. So yeah, again, go. we're, we're going to be back next week. We'll break that whole thing down. Um, apologies on Miguel. Uh, we wanted to do Pat's yeah. Pat's cap today. Uh, we'll get to that at some point later on, whether that's next week or later on in the off season, because we do want to reset the cap and, you know, figure out where they're at. Um, plenty of questions for him. 
But until next week, uh, what I'm going to do, Alex, actually, is I'm going to go make some dinner with HelloFresh. HelloFresh, easy, quick meals, super easy. Uh, go to HelloFresh.com slash Beat21. Use the code Beat21 for 21 free meals and free shipping. Again, that's HelloFresh.com slash Beat21. Use the code Beat21 for your 21 free meals. Me and Alex will be back next week, early next week. We're going to break down, like I said, both these shrine or the offensive and defense of the Shrine Bowl rosters that the Patriots are going to be working with. Alex is going to the Shrine Bowl. Um, yep. If you want to, if you want to tease that as well, before we get out. Yeah. Here. So, uh, uh, catch 22, uh, me and Evan's podcast on Patriots.com. We recorded a new episode today. There's teams sending us. You, yep. you all saw how it started and, and now they are actually sending me and Evan to evaluate the prospects. Not for them. We're not scouting for yeah. them. Unless they listen to the show, they're more than yeah. welcome to listen to the show, but hey, you never know. Me and Evan will be down there doing daily podcasts, talking about what we've seen from the prospects. We'll also get into sort of the layout of the Patriots coaching staff, right? Who's working with what position? Where's Matt Patricia? Where's Joe Judge? Where's Gerard Mayo? It's going to be an interesting way to see that as well. So me and Evan will have that. Um, I don't know. We're still sort of working out the details if the first show for that will be Thursday or Friday of next week. Uh, It's on Patriots.com. It's on my Twitter. But yep, uh, yep. And when I come back, Mike, I'll bring all the everything I see to this show too. I'm hopping in the luggage, Barth. I'm going to be there with you guys. I'm, <laughs> I so, love I'm it. getting there somehow. Uh, so yeah, check that out uh, again. Me and Alex will be back. Break down these rosters. Thanks for watching, everyone. Uh, we'll see you next week.